Salam everyone, welcome to the Abuan Chronicles podcast, a podcast hosted by five black Muslim women, Ikran, Istahil, Sahra, Umul Khair, and your girl Hafsa living her best life out in self-imposed exile in London, UK. Join us every month as we talk about our personal experiences, pop culture, identity, politics, and more. Hi, Assalamualaikum everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Abuan Chronicles. And with us today are some special ladies. Y'all want to shout yourselves out? Who are we speaking with? It's the OT Podcast. Hey, 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 hey. We're in the cut. It is currently like 11.30 in the morning, but we are here. All the way from Ottawa, Ottawa, connecting to us internationally. <laughs> yes. And Ikran is visiting us here from the 6th Toronto. Ikran here. Y'all need to stop feeling defensive and just embrace your nickname. I don't even know why you won't just like take it and, and roll with it. Go with it, okay? Hafs is talking from Beans and Toast, uh, UK. <laughs> well, I can't even talk. But Beans honestly speaking, y'all, I've seen some people microwave that shit from the can and eat it while I traumatizing shit right Ew. there. Oh my god. This is why every time I realize I'm on UK Twitter partially, is so depressing. Like, do you guys ever notice the weird parts of Twitter you fall into? You're either on Black Twitter, you're on IKEA Twitter, or you're like on Beans and Toast Twitter. So, listen, IKEA Twitter, leave them alone. They're not even problematic, Kwas, okay? They're just living their best lives, okay? With their free healthcare and like university paid by the government and shit. So, let them live their best lives. But UK Twitter, yeah, they're, they're, they're a whole other category. Skadakwas. So, yeah, we're recording with the OT girls. We're recording with uh, myself, Hafsa, and Ikran. Unfortunately, I don't think it's all the OT girls today. You guys want to shout yourselves out so everybody hears your voice and can follow along. Um, so it's Marian, Farah, and it's Layla. So for today's episode, what we actually want to talk about was something we kind of all have in common. Um, almost all of us, or all of us, have gone to... Islamic schools in the past and there's always this conversation of oh what's the best form of education for your kids what are your priorities is it just about education is it about religion is it about um you know having teachers around that would be best supportive for your kids like what what makes you choose what kind of school kids should go to and we just wanted to have a chat basically about our personal experiences and how we felt Islamic schools affected us in a way and how we compare it to public schools right so everybody anybody want to throw in their two cents to start with whether they think going to an Islamic school was a good thing or a bad thing we all started Islamic school at different times so me I started in grade four Marian started in grade 11 and Farah started in grade 7. I'm so flattered that Leila knows, like, she remembers all of this. <laughs> I see you guys come every year. <laughs> you, Leila's a real one. Yeah, I came to Islamic school from public school, so I came in grade 11. Um, I feel like at the beginning, I wasn't happy that I went to OIS. You guys hear me refer to Islamic school as OIS, then it's Ottawa Islamic School, which is the only Islamic school in Ottawa that, that goes to high school. Yeah, yeah, it goes to grade 12, so high school graduation. There's a French Islam school, like Amar yeah. and like Ibn Ibn Batuta. Ibn Batuta. But they did the elementary. Yeah. And they opened after OIS. But um, yeah, so my two older brothers, my parents had put them in OIS in grade 11. Afterwards, my parents decided to put me in Islam school. And at the time, I, I didn't wear hijab. And then the first thing that they did was they threw an abaya at me in a black hijab. <laughs> and I used to just break the uniform all the time. And I remember telling my OIS teacher, why do I have to look like a Dementor from Harry Potter? <laughs> Allah. 
But guys, mind you, I do rock abayas now. Like, abaya gang. Yeah. I'm wearing an abaya right now. But yeah, <laughs> wild, right? Honestly, I was in Islam school and I was like, what is this? I was like, how am I here? Why are there so many Somalis? Because it's so like before bar. you went to Islam school, you've never heard of it? No, like I had heard of it, of it, but mind you, my elementary school, middle school, and public high school, there were no Somalis. There were maybe like three or four Somalis in the whole school, and two of them so were my older brothers. Yeah, it was like imagine walking into a school and everyone looks like you, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> it's really interesting how. Okay, I I know that you said that the whole abaya and hijab situation like threw you off as well, but it's interesting that going to a school where everybody looks like you and your teachers look like you threw you off guard as well. If anything, I. I would have been I don't know this is me talking from my point of privilege I went to an Islamic school from freaking kindergarten until grade 8 where everybody looked like me all the time so I I don't know I didn't come into that environment from somewhere else but it's interesting that you came in that, into that environment from somewhere else and you found it off-putting was that it or it, it was just different off-putting it was just being thrown off guard because when it's a normalized experience for you that you are always the outlier like you are always the one who doesn't fit in it becomes part of it, exactly it becomes a part of your narrative so then when you walk into a school where someone looks like you it's not that it's off-putting it's just unfamiliar to your normality or what's normal yeah. to you okay and that threw you off basically and you're just oh, like 100 percent that threw me off because people were speaking somali around me and i didn't know the word somali <laughs> if you but now you're better though yo worry. my somali is coming up all right what about the rest of you guys Layla, you've been there since you were a kid so for you it'd be it would be a different experience in terms of did, did you ever leave islam school or were you always in islam school from when you started in the fourth grade for me like i was in public school like for kindergarten like the beginning of elementary but then afterwards, I went to Islamic school in grade four. I guess my experience coming in, like, the thing is, I lived in a Somali neighborhood growing up. And, like, even in my public school I went to, like, had a lot of Somali kids and, like, mm-hmm. Muslim kids and stuff like that. So going to Islamic school wasn't, like, shocking. But then I guess because Islamic school is different in public school in a sense where you have to wear a uniform. That's what I didn't like. like. I had to wear, like, a white blouse, blue skirt, white hijab. And it's, like, it was, so it was like, I guess a private school in a way where you felt more formal and, like... Like, also, I think when I first came to Islamic school, boys and girls sat separately from each other. Like, girls on one half, boys on one half. And it's, like, in public school, I was like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah, it's kind of weird. weird. From a young age, like, I didn't see boys as, like, oh, you don't talk to them. <laughs> it was just, like, boys and girls were all your friends. So come to self, so I guess that was different. But then growing up, going through it, like I, it became normal. Like all my friends being Somali, all my friends being Muslim, praying at lunchtime, like having Islamic school, Islamic studies classes three times a week, like Quran class twice a week. But then also learning all the other subjects as well. So it became like a normal school to me. I didn't know anything different afterwards. What about you, Farah? I feel like I had the same experience as Layla. It's the same thing. But I did go to public school from kindergarten to grade six. And then I came to Islamic school grade 7, and it was fine. Like, I always grew up with Somalis, and I knew everything about, like, our culture and all that stuff. So I wasn't, like, shocked. I started, I put my hijab on grade 9, and it was a wrap. So I just became a wise girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The difference is, for you guys, is that you grew up in neighborhoods where there were Somalis. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. my neighborhood, you guys know, like, to this day, there's no Somalis. Yeah, it's like a Jewish neighborhood. So, like, yeah. there's, like, no one. So then going to Islam school was just, like, it was almost like a slight culture shock, which is kind of sad to say in a weird way. Because, like, my parents taught me about the culture. My parents put me in Doxi and they put on class in Syrah. 
but I wasn't used to being surrounded by my own people. So it was almost like an internalized culture shock. Okay, I get that. But Ikran, you had a bit of a more different experience because whereas the OT girls and myself, we all went to like a predominantly Somali Islamic school. You went to some school in the in the Emirates, so it was a little bit different, right? With in terms of the teachers, the students and all that. I, I haven't been in public school for a long time, so I have nothing else to compare it to. But now moving back to Canada, it's like I'm so grateful for that experience. I didn't have to excuse myself to go to pray, you know what I mean? And have to be like, Oh well, it's all the time, I have to go. Everyone's making wudu in the washroom. You don't look weird putting your foot in the sink, you know? And the small things that you don't really notice when you're in those situations, you realize after you're removed from those situations. So alhamdulillah, even though my school is crazy, alhamdulillah, it was a good experience. Yeah, the, the thing is, the one thing that I really appreciated about going to a school where the majority of people were like me, same or like we had like uh, religious experiences, similar religious experiences, was the fact that I never had to feel othered. Like, I didn't realize mm-hmm. then, because back then, I constantly wanted to leave the school. Because people always, I remember growing, especially in elementary school and, and uh, middle school, everybody was like, oh, we want to leave, we want to leave, we want to leave Islamic schools, right? Now, when I go, when I think back to it, I never had experiences where I was like, where I felt out of place, where I felt othered, where I felt like, oh, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And it's so bizarre because now, like, as an as a fully grown adult, like, at this point in the space that I'm in, I notice these little things here and there where, oh, okay, I, I, I'm standing out because I'm doing this or I'm, I'm a little different because I'm doing that. It's probably best I didn't experience that at a younger age, right? So I think one of that's probably one of the biggest pros for going to an Islamic school. Anyways, that's, that's what I think. Like, do you think that maybe, though, if, like, for example, if we experienced that at a younger age, it wouldn't we be tougher like as we got older why do we need to be tougher as we get older that's my thing like it's like why do i have why do i have to conform like worry about conforming like if if i was exposed to this at a younger age then when i get older i feel tough no man at a younger age i shouldn't have to go through this trouble i shouldn't have to go through these trials and and tribulations <laughs> trials and tribulations i kind of get where Layla's coming from because for me when i was in public school it was like from grade seven, eight, nine, ten, people, if you choose to choose, if you choose to do, but I'm saying like drinking, uh, like, um, drugs, like, um, I guess sex, things like along those lines. It's not good that we were, I don't know if I'm almost upset that I was exposed to it at a young age. Because if, as first-generation immigrants, if my parents only talked to me about a few things, but they weren't really aware of all the things happening, it was like, for me, I was so used to hearing about it and people doing it around me that I'm happy that, I guess in my case, it's a little, not different, but like my parents put me in Duxie, so I was comfortable in my faith and I was secure in my faith that I knew I didn't want to do that, but A lot of people, when they go to Islamic schools and then they graduate from Islamic schools and then they're in university or college and they're, like, fully exposed to it, they tend to, like, just fall down the rabbit hole. Like, wild out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do wild out. And it's, like, almost, like, how many people do... How many people do I know or do we know that that happened to? And for for us, it for... Well, for me... Well, for I know the girls, like, I, I was never tempted. Like, I didn't think about it because I... I've known about it from such a young age. Like your desensitized. Exactly. But I know that when I have children, inshallah, like I'm aware of the plight and the issues facing like 13 to 18 year olds. You know what I mean? So I can talk to them about it because I've experienced the public school system. Mm -hmm. But it's like, 
I'm almost thankful that I went to public school before I went to Islamic school because I didn't care when I got older to partake in any of it. The same way that you're saying that you're desensitized to it all, like someone else might actually just take part in it. Like you, luckily, you're like, okay, you saw all of this and you know, you're like, I'm going to, eh, whatever. And you, and you weren't part of it. But another kid could go down the other way and decide, hey, you know what? Why don't I do this? Why don't I do that? And like you said, not necessarily. Parents do talk to us about some things, but we know we have a problem as a community as a Somali community where parents tend to stay away from these topics and not have these conversations with their kids. And I'm talking about like our generation growing up, right? So like if a kid who their parents doesn't really talk to them about these things who's they and they're in and they're in schools and they know, okay, I'm not supposed to do this, but at the end of the day, my parents can't see me, so I'm doing whatever I want. Like it could go one of it could go either way, you know what I'm saying? And I do understand that okay, you have you're always at risk of, you know, growing up and, you know, going to university and wilding out but at that point you're a grown adult right you're 18 19 20 if you want to wild out wild out do you it's that's that's your issue but at but the problem is like what i'm thinking of is the responsibility of having a child do you really want to take that risk of a child at that younger age getting exposed to and maybe taking part in things that they shouldn't be taking part of from a cultural and religious aspect but who's to say that those things aren't at Islamic schools at the same time? I know that, sure, yeah, sure. because like Ikran went to an Islamic school in the UAE where these things are illegal. But like, I know I got what you mean that it might be at an it might it's more um, predominant and it's more normal in a public school. But it's but they it's still happens at Islamic school. I think what it is though, it's kind of like the the different methods of parenting. Are you gonna like be a helicopter? like helicopter mom or like free thinking what's it called not free thinking free free rain free raining or whatever free like we have to like that's kind of like the pros and cons of each right like do we kind of protect our kids in from all these things so that when they get older they make good decisions or do we let them be exposed to these but then at risk of partaking because their friends are through peer pressure and stuff after all of this what is the purpose of islamic school because i mean if people are wilding out after islamic school don't you think that like like wasn't the whole point to kind of instill like a fear in god and like to know the right from wrong and to do all of that so if a lot of people are still falling down that path then like is all was the whole purpose just to be surrounded by muslim people and be in a comfortable environment and be like have to take these islamic courses but like not instilling any like none of that getting to so you're studying islam like you would study math you know once you're out of the classroom it doesn't really have any impact on you so what is the purpose if like a lot of students are ending up on this path post-Islamic school. I think that's the ideal Islamic school. Yeah. Like, the whole point that our parents all put us in Islamic school is because they want us to be surrounded by Muslim kids. They want us to learn about the deen, make good decisions. But I think what it is, at the end of the day, you can put your kids in the best environment, but they're going to make their own decisions at the end of the day. As well, I think that we make Islamic schools too comfortable it's not enough to put your kids in islamic school you have to be teaching them the values at home too right so yeah but as well like i don't know if you guys can touch on this as well but like we make islam schools too comfortable we make them bubbles that kids don't understand the realities of things we don't talk Mm -hmm. about the realities of what's outside the bubble right they're not talking about Mm -hmm. they're not talking about uh even if they don't want to talk about it yeah they don't want to talk about it but the (laughs) fact is are we talking about mental health issues Mm -hmm. are we talking about access to resources are we talking about drugs are we talking about alcohol and i'm not talking about it to like 
in a weird way, I don't want to talk to them. Like, if you drink, you're going to hell. If yeah, you yeah. touch this, you're going to hell. No, you have to make it an environment in which they understand the realities of things. But they're, you have to, it's like... a very sheltered it, environment. Yeah, and as well, like, the reality is talking about um, sexual assault, sexual violence. Because these are the realities of what's outside. And if you don't talk about it, then... If they don't have access to information, and that's the problem with a lot of immigrant uh, communities, we don't have the same access to information and we don't share the same information. You know what I mean? A lot of the times we have to find this information for ourselves. Yeah, I get you. You know, the thing is, the biggest issue is, is that one of the downfalls of, or one of the biggest problems that I have with Islam schools is that, like we said, um, most of us on, in this episode today, we went to the same Islam school and that school was it's mostly Somali students, Somali teachers, Somali everyone, right? So at the end of the day, a lot of people who are there have the same mentality as our parents and they don't want to broach these conversations. Like I remember um, when I was in, because I went there for elementary and junior high, right? We never had talks about at that younger age, you know, when all of us are like fifth graders, sixth graders, why didn't we ever talk about, you know, we're all going to get our period soon and what it means and what this is and, and everything, right? And not in a biology class context, but in like, hey, let's sit down and talk about how your bodies are going to be changing context. You know what I mean? That conversation never happened. You know, maybe I've heard about one or two uh, classes where, you know, maybe somebody sat down with them and like had a chat as like a sister's kind of thing. But in terms of that should be a formal part of the curriculum, right? Like it shouldn't just be about math, science, English, social studies. It needs to, you need to introduce all these parts. And this is kind of the problem with um, the Somali community. Like, I mean, they voted for Doug Ford because he said no sex ed. Like, but you still need sex ed. If you listen, don't battle, like don't fight against sex ed, fight for your type of sex ed. If you really are that concerned about it, because realistically speaking, you do the what do you what do you think kids are never going to hear about this until they're like grown and it's in islamic schools specifically like you hear about there's only like the school hours the eight to eight thirty or nine to three right what about after school what about on the bus ride to school what about in their neighborhoods they're being exposed to all these things and we're like ignoring all of that you know and we're just sweeping it all under the rug which is a problem in itself and then i feel like it's not even it's not it's it's not islam that says you don't talk about it it's the people that are muslim in islamic schools from their own culture that are holding them back sometimes like for example no one talks about sex or safe sex. Or even if it's in a Islam school, probably they're not going to talk about um, safe sex in terms of before marriage. They probably go for that abstinence conversation. But even for if sure, forget yeah. forget forget about abstin forget about before sex. Why don't you talk about sexual relations to high school girls after they get married? Because a lot of girls do get married in university or after university or, or right out of high school, right? So why aren't you having this conversation with 11, 12th grader girls and sitting them down and talking to them about sex and talking to them about what their rights in terms of marriage are, talking to them about what contraception is, because um, there's still there's still a huge misconception that contraception is haram in Islam, which isn't true. That's what we're told. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is not true <laughs> at all. Exactly, like exactly. So then you get, so then you have these 18 year old poor Masakian girls getting married. They're thinking contraception is haram. They're popping out one baby after the other. Um, and then, you know, where's, where's my job? Where's my school? Where's my education? None of that's going to happen, right? So there's just, I feel like there's so many opportunities to be had in these kinds of schools, but they're just not taken, you know? And like, there's it's also, we're dealing with people's opinions, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like people who are, like moms and dads and teachers that have their own fully formed opinions that may not be right. And they pass it on to like kids. 
how many crazy things did we use to hear at OIS? And they'd be like, you can't do that because the parents, uh, the parents control it. Do you know what my favorite story from OIS was? It was maybe in grade 12. Someone said to a member of the administration that Marian was wearing pants. And the administration, because my little brothers, the twins were still at Islam school. Someone said to my mom, oh, did you know your daughter wears pants when she's <laughs> casually there to pick up the twins? And my mom's like, yeah, I know. I bought them for her. <laughs> You're a real one, eh? Um, we never talk about in Islamic schools how there's like high and low points of Iman as well. Because I mm-hmm. feel like they always expect that everyone is going to always be on almost like an Islamic high. Like you should always be praying. Inshallah, your praying is consistent, but you should always be praying. You should always be doing everything. You you should always strive to be the best Muslim you can. But sometimes it's a struggle, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like we never talk about that. Like the crazy things that used to happen at, happen at OAS, they used to track when girls were praying and when they weren't praying. <gasps> what? What? Yeah, so, Hatsi, you got out of there before that popped off? <gasps> Allah, how <laughs> dare they? Girls were they had all of your like menstrual cycles. So wow. they decided, oh. Yo, that's actually. Hatsi, Ikran, did you guys just not just drop the mic? Like, that's crazy. They used to have a duotang. And they used to tell one of the students. And sometimes it was me because I. I don't, they asked the grade 11, uh, the grade 12 girls, and because I was student council president, they would literally give me a duotang. You would have to go around to where the girls were praying, because obviously it was separate sections. You had a, a green duotang, and they'd have to write down their name, the date, and if they, were pr- if they weren't praying. So they literally tracked the high school girls' menstrual cycle. But it tried to last for a to. long time, though. It yeah, it's like a month. And so that's month. actually crazy. That is so creepy and disgusting. Oh my god. But like, don't you think, see, instead of tracking people who don't want to pray, maybe teach students the value of Salah and like the importance of Salah instead of like tracking people. Yeah, honestly speaking, it just seems like they focused on a lot of the the, the, the outer shell of things and they didn't really, you know those conversations that need to be had? They didn't have any of those like little con- private conversations. That, not, not private, but like, you know, the little talks that should be had in terms of character building. None of that existed. It was all about, okay, you need to do, you need to pray, you need to take go to your Islam studies classes, you need to learn your math, science, and English, and then get out. Nothing about real life applications, which sucks so, which is so sad because this, at the end of the day, it is a safe space. Like, like we're talking about Islam schools. Islam schools are safe spaces for um, Muslim, brown, black kids, right? So why can't why couldn't they take the most advantage of this? And I and honestly speaking, like you said earlier, at the end of the day, it's parents who are also in charge. Like if a parent found out that they were talking about sex ed in school, I'm sure they would flip out, right? Even if I can I can imagine the chaos and the carnage if they decided to introduce like sex ed, sex ed, sex ed sorry or um you know um, human biology to like girls in like the fifth sixth grade they would flip out. So I don't even know how to, like, at the end of the day, how you, how you could even get beyond that. It's crazy. But I feel like as well, when we're saying that they're safe spaces, are they safe spaces for Muslim women? Because a lot of the time, I feel like they would almost teach you. They would always, and just as much as 
I'm critical of my experience in Islamic school. I have incredible experiences on the other hand, and I'm so thankful for so many things. But at the same time, it's funny because it's like they almost taught you as a girl to be quieter, to be more, I guess, to always wait for the guys to finish first, always giving them priority, things like that. Because mind you, after grade nine, there's no... There's no, sports there's no sports. Mm-hmm. And the guys would have sports teams and the girls don't. Um, the guys could play ball in the gym maybe ten, five times a week and the girls would maybe get once a week. Like, there was Gosh, a, it, there's a lot of um, inequality to be, to be honest. I mean, right now we're talking about specifically one school, but at the end of the day, a lot of these things that we're talking about affect, we're like, across the board in many Islam schools across the country internationally as well like I was gonna say even in things that we wear like when we would go on field trips the girls still have to wear abayas and guys can wear whatever they want mm-hmm. even though abayas like as a they used it as a uniform you had to wear but then it was also like a dress code in effect after school yeah. if that makes sense yeah. that's just messy right there I know and then I remember for our class in grade 12, we all showed up with summer dresses to our Wonder school field trip. <laughs> we, like, rioted. We're like, nope. I'm actually dead that that had to be, like, that was the, the way you guys revolted. You had to wear, you wore summer dresses instead. That's actually so sad. Because I know, like, they used to, they used to be like, okay, when we were kids, we used to go to, I think we went to La Ronde, um in Montreal. Yes. Yeah. And they made us all wear a uniform just so that girls and guys, so that they could identify us better, like, you know. I think even when they gave us t-shirts and stuff. But anyways, we all wear a uniform because... Um, guys and girls because they want to be able to, you know, find us in case, you know. No, for us, at, le- at least in the Middle East, everyone, like, when we didn't have to wear a uniform, everyone wore whatever they wanted. And in our Islamic school, um, you don't have to wear hijab if you don't want to. So a lot of students don't wear hijab. Some people do because they don't want to, like, stand out. But wearing hijab was never mandatory, at least. That's interesting. Is it all girls or all, like, is it mixed? No, it was, it was never mixed. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, people can't, would come oh, in to school without hijab. Like, I'm not talking about, like, within the building, but, like, some people didn't wear hijab in general. And a lot of people who, I know a lot of girls who didn't wear hijab still wore hijab to school. I think that was just a personal thing that they did. They didn't have to. But, like, our school was crazy in a different sense. Like, we'd be able to go on field trips. I remember I took my camera once and I took a bunch of pictures. And back then, we were, like, we're posting pictures on Facebook. And the next day, they all come, and we're all in trouble, and they ask for all our Facebook passwords. <laughs> and they're like, how dare you guys post pictures? And, like, we were fully on a trip, and I was allowed to bring a camera. It's not like I hid it, and then, like, I snuck pictures of people, and I posted it. It was literally, like, we were, I was allowed to bring it. But then when I posted it, wallahi, they came in, and they took a paper, and they said, everyone write your Facebook usernames and your passwords were logging in. You guys are funny, so, but did you guys actually give your passwords? I didn't because I couldn't remember. Because you know when you're just logged in all the time, I legitimately couldn't remember. But at the same time, like, I'm glad I didn't give them the correct one. That's that's actually kind of bizarre. But I think that in terms of the hijab and the, um, the hijab wearing situation, I think that's a cultural thing as well because a lot of other um, cultures besides Somali culture aren't as fixated on, on outerwear as Somalis are. 
because Somalis are crazy about hijab. They're crazy about not wearing pants. They're crazy about um, abayas. Like, but I, whereas other people that are, they're properly religious families, maybe probably just as religious as you know yours or mine, and they're totally okay with their kid not wearing hijab until high school or their kid walking around with trousers and whatever, right? So I think that's probably that's something that came into play because I think you said earlier your Islam school Quran wasn't predominantly Somali. There was a lot of Somalis, but it wasn't predominantly Somali. Yeah, I mean hijab aside like a lot of them wear pants anyways so i guess exactly. that definitely didn't matter mm-hmm. but like yeah but anyways um okay so just moving on from this topic like in pros and cons of islamic schools as opposed to public schools like what are some things that you that you preferred in public schools if you guys have ever been where and that weren't present in islamic schools basically like for islamic schools private right so they don't get funding from the government so you won't like for example public schools had cafeterias bigger gymnasiums they had more access to sports and like sport teams and uniforms and things like that so i think that would be the biggest pro of public school for some schools just the fact that they have more access to resources and money so that you can have you know more recreational fun and stuff as well as access to more um course options right because all of the courses when we got into high school were mostly just academic courses. So it was like in grade 12, it was like English, advanced functions, calculus, chemistry, biology, physics, mm-hmm. writer's craft, business, law, world politics, food and nutrition. food and nutrition. And it's like you kind of wish... they're all U classes. They're all U classes, exactly. Which is kind of biased, especially if someone sees themselves going into trades apprenticeships or like college and as well it was like we only knew university which is completely ridiculous right that's not everyone chooses to go to university first or they don't choose to go to university at all so they didn't know other streams that they could have followed as well you know what's so interesting about that i just remembered um when i first left islamic school and i went to a public school and there we had taken electives right and i'm like okay this is interesting electives what are these and they had food which was basically you cooking in a kitchen and fashion classes where you're sewing and stuff which was so interesting to me because i was like i have never like we had a full ass like like a big room with a bunch of like miniature kitchens and we're all just like cooking and like you know making food in that for a whole semester i could never imagine that kind of thing happening in the old school that i went to the time school that i went to you know yeah because they would even have the rooms for that like you know to for like cooking and baking or like wood shop or whatever things like those classes you know what else but now they're expanding it though yeah they are yeah you know what's really unfair though um catholic schools in canada even though catholic schools have a longer history obviously in canada because it like it's the settlers religion so um they are uh, federally funded they get funding from the government while other religious schools don't well that's because they're still isn't it because they're still like kind of public schooly they're like they're still government funded because at the end of the, like i don't think they could do that some schools because anybody can go to a Catholic school. It's still considered kind of like... It's a different school system, but it's still... But even if, like, so, there's a lot of Somali people that I know that go to Catholic schools, and they still... There's mass, and there's religious classes, but they just abstain to go to mass and things like that. So do you guys think it would necessarily be a bad idea if Islamic schools became somewhat public? The thing is, when you when you have a private school, you have autonomy over your school. You decide who your teachers are, the curriculum, everything. Whereas when you have like a Catholic public school situation, they, when the government gives you funding, I think they have the same issue in the Edmonton Islamic school. Like when the government has access to regulate. Exactly, exactly. And like, for instance, you have like you have to hire like 
people that are, you know, regular teachers in public schools, like you'd have to hire them as well. Like, so you don't have as much control. And I think that's the biggest thing. That's true. Because you have to have, you have to hire teachers that went to teachers Teachers college. college. You have to have certain things, your curriculum, like sex ed and stuff. Mm. You can't like not teach it. Your, the building has to be up to code. But is that a bad thing if the government's willing to pay for it? Shouldn't that be in Islamic schools too? Like teachers who have the proper background? Because I mean, I've seen Islamic schools here that have undergraduate students who are still not even done university teaching high school students. Yeah. So like, isn't that a problem that they don't have qualified teachers who have the appropriate background? For us, all our teachers for our grade were good. Like, Jawis, Estadina, they all like were educated teachers in their field. No. For us, yeah. Some food nutrition, anthropology. I'm thinking about like the The main ones for Ken, math, English. Like the but those are but like those but those were core for some people, but other courses yeah. were core for other people. In terms of being, I think we touched on this earlier, but if you could just focus on it a bit more now, being a black person or a person that's a minority um, in an Islamic school versus being one in public school. So, did you guys feel any different? Because me personally, um, growing up and going to an Islamic school all my life were almost everybody looked like me and I never had to worry about being the odd one out. I went to another high school, uh, sorry, I, I left in the eighth grade and I went to a public school for a year and it was a completely different experience where I was the minority in my class. So do, did you guys find that it was a huge, I wouldn't say a huge difference, but it, it made a huge effect on how you experience school? being a minority versus not being a minority, if you guys have ever gone to public school or not? For me, I guess before I moved, I was going to school with a lot of Somali kids So, because I lived in a predominantly Somali neighborhood. And so I was surrounded by a bunch of Somali kids. But I feel like when I moved there and I was in school, my identity was more Muslim than black, I feel. So I never felt like I never felt left out there were other small people in my class we weren't the majority but it never actually affected me because I felt like we're all Muslim and that was like my identity for throughout my entire until high school even university so you were more attached to your Muslim side as opposed to your black side basically yeah because I feel like I didn't really experience any discrimination based off of my race like i don't know it was just you know it's really interesting you say that akron because i i I know the school that you went to i know people who went to your school and they've had crazy experiences in terms of race crazy like i heard one time a teacher told the girl like um something about being light-skinned dark-skinned black all like i've heard crazy stories it's possible wallahi but it's just my i'm just talking about myself like i'm not gonna say nothing has ever happened personally i haven't experienced it or i just can't remember it and also i'm very like unless it's in my face i won't pick up on it there's that too so <laughs> yeah what about you marian you were saying oh, something before it was a really really funny i have some weird stories i think um because a lot of my friends were like french canadian so um i remember i was walking down the hallway one day and i was just holding my books and i was walking with some Adan girl that i was friends with and she literally just turns to me she's like hey marian are your parents terrorists? What? I go, I go, hold up skirt. I was like, I was like, wow, this is the YouTube your video friend? I've always waited to film. Huh? This is your friend telling you this? Yeah. She said this so casually. So, <laughs> that's I'm why like, you're friends. I look at her and I'm like, I'm like, okay, A, you're not no friend no more. Two, I'm like, or, I'm like, that is really Islamophobic. 
And I told her, I'm like, no, I'm like, Muslims are very peaceful people. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I like ripped into her. And it was funny because I never experienced like, um, I, I kind of get where Akron was coming from because either I experienced issues of Islamophobia or racism. And like, I didn't, I kind of didn't acknowledge yet the intersection of my existence. But I remember one teacher one time said to me, um, he was giving us like clues to an exam and he's like, Marion, don't go telling Shaniqua. And I was what? like, you're a racist? Shaniqua? Yeah, Shaniqua. There was no one named Shaniqua too. And I was so pressed. I was like, what? I was like, firstly, and this was like grade 10 civics. I was like, you're a racist? I'm like, I'm not taking part in this class. I'm like, get out of here. And then all the little Ivan kids in my class were like, he was just joking. Marion, why are you getting so angry? Like, they started making me feel bad for getting angry. Like, fulfilling, I guess, the angry black woman narrative or whatever. They started making me feel bad. And I started feeling guilty almost to the point that I almost considered going to apologize for overreacting. But then my brother, like, almost smacked me and he's like, I dare you. So it was it was weird that I would experience. I was just used to always not completely fitting in and like shopping from like Abercrombie and Fitch and wearing like board shorts. I don't want to talk about it, guys. Um, <laughs> and in order to fit in, then I went to Islamic school and I was just shocked at the beginning. But then it was after a few months, it was almost nice that every time I would say something, I'd be like, oh, Mahoya said this. They'd be like, Mahoya said that. <laughs> or like they understood everything that I was talking about. I, weird, not weird, but I wasn't an outsider anymore. Everyone got where I was coming from. Mm. And here we are almost seven years later after graduation, nine years after having met each other, and we're still really good friends, all of us. Mm. That's really nice, but I mean, yeah, I I I get where you're coming from. Uh, I get, <laughs> I get where you're coming from, Mariam, and that honestly makes sense. But like, you know, the thing is, we talked a little bit earlier about it, us being super sheltered, um, and kind of being isolated in Islamic schools, and then all of a sudden transitioning into university, and like some of, some people go like you know they they transition they transition well and they don't have any problems, whereas others have a bit of more of a hard time, and then there's those that just. Psh, you know, they're seeing things that they've never seen before and they're living their best lives. So how was that transition for you guys? Because you guys all, I didn't go to a Islamic high school for university. I'm sorry, Islamic high school and then go to uni. But you guys all went, finished high school and then went to uni, right? So how did that work for y'all? For us, like a lot of us stayed in the city that we, stayed in the city that we went to high school with to go to like uni and college. So like it was Ottawa U, Carleton, Algonquin. So I feel like a lot of us still hung out with each other in the first year. Mm -hmm. So we still like mostly hung out with other Somali girls, but maybe like a year or two after is when we kind of started branching out and like kind of meeting other people is when I feel like maybe it's not that we were shocked, but you just kind of were introduced to different type of people and way of living and different races, different races. But yeah, because literally we're just surrounded with Somali people all the time. It's like when you're talking to someone who's Adan or like Asian or whatever, it's like even another, other black people that are not yeah. Somali. Like I remember me and this other girl in this Jamaican girl, we literally have a conversation where the girl, the Jamaican girl is telling us, she's like, you guys are not black. And I was just like, what, what is that? What are you talking yeah. about? 
we're like literally in the computer lab in our university just arguing about this for like half an hour. So why did she think we weren't black? You always think Somalis aren't black. Yeah, that's a whole other... You know what I remember? I remember I was in the calf during... I was in the calf. Um, I was going to say during lunch, but I was in the calf one day and I was sitting with people I had gone to public high school with. Like a few people who ended up at Ottawa U. And one of the guys from my OIS class saw me sitting at a table with like one Arab girl and two Adon people. And he literally took out his phone and he took a photo and I saw the flash go off. Oh my God. Why? Why? Oh, why? No. I don't understand why that happened. Why did that happen? You guys, do I not live the most interesting life? I still don't understand why that happened. I want an explanation. <laughs> That's so weird. (laughs) What I was wondering was like being in classrooms filled with your people, essentially, and then all of a sudden going to university where, you know, first of all, the whole campus experience, going to different buildings for different classes, A, B, being in classes filled with other people, like not just like, and you're the one person perhaps standing out or whatever. And like, you know, other experiences that, for instance, we talked about earlier, being exposed to like in public schools. Um, you know, talk things about like sex, you know, drugs, whatever, any of that. Well, that's dramatic. That was really uh, a dramatic point. Of that there, was but. super dramatic. It sounded like a <laughs> sex, rock and roll song. <laughs> drugs. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, at this point, I mean, I'm not to say that you, these things aren't always there. In some schools, we, we said that, we said earlier, that it's possibly there, right? But I mean, like, whereas in a community where, or like in a place where, it's more predominant and not necessarily predominant, but it's more in your face. It's always there. Like, how did that feel for you? Like, for instance, you're not going to see people in, in Islam school making out on campus, but you are going to see that in uni. Do you get what I'm saying? So what, did any of that weird, weird you out? It was funny. I feel like it also depends on what stream of education you went into, like what program you went into, because like we all went into different um, like backgrounds, right? So Leila went into the sciences, but I went into education. I went into development and social science. So the demographics were as well different. Like my program was a lot of Adhan people, a lot of Adhan people with a white savior complex. Mm-hmm. So like all of them were like so excited to see like an immigrant. They're like, oh my God, like, what are your thoughts? What are your opinions? What are your feelings? But as well, um, when I went to university, I just ended up in like second, third year, I just I became an MSA. Like I went to the MSA for during university. Ooh, I heard that. Oh, you're you're that girl. <laughs> Interesting. MSAs like when people hear MSA, I like not everybody thinks the most positive thoughts. There's so much drama and my MSA was actually really diverse. Well, lie, there were actually a lot of Black Muslims in my MSA. But the funny thing with my MSA, I'll get back to the main point. But the funny thing with my MSA was uh, they wanted to do something for Black History Month. And they were, like, not for it. Like, they would post, like, a black Muslim on Facebook, like, once a week during February, and that was it. They were not for it. And a girl was in a... It was in the constitution of the UOMSA, University of Ottawa's MSA. A girl's not allowed to run for president, but at Carleton... 
a girl was president. And I remember that a lot of the execs would be like, I don't know if you guys remember the hashtag that came out a, a few years black ago is calling out being yeah, black, yeah, black, black and MSA. I remember that one Palestinian girl would always be like, my nigga, like what's popping? Da, da, da. She's like, you know, a lot of my cousins are darker than you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How did they get away with having a role of only no female or no woman um, MSA presidents or whatever? Like how did they get away without the university? Why? Like, honestly, I have no idea it was in the constitution for so long in the msa that i feel like no one ever tried to argue it yeah by the way for all those listening who don't know what msa is it's a muslim student association just putting that out there yeah so that's what happened with mine but um i feel like transitioning from islamic school back to um i was about to say the general population (laughs) but to go back to um (laughs) university it was kind of like it wasn't that big of a transition for me because I had gone to public school. I feel like the most overwhelming thing, though, a transition was having so much free reign over my own um, schedule because with OIS, you couldn't even leave school property during lunch. Like, if you did, it was a mission. Like, it was, like, totally spies. And you'd get suspended. Yeah, you'd get suspended. People were hiding in bushes to go to Subway. Wait, in high school? Yeah. yeah so yeah. imagine Okay, the rules changed a lot since I since I left, because high schoolers so were allowed to go. Imagine grade 9 and 10. Like you were, like, you're because we're in Islamic school at the same time. I'm pretty sure, like, I remember in element when I was in elementary... The high schoolers were allowed to go to out for lunch. Exactly. Yeah, that's what school. I that's what I remember when I was in the eighth grade. We weren't yeah. allowed, but the high schoolers were allowed. Yeah, and then they changed because I think like the high schoolers would like leave and wouldn't come back for like hours. <laughs> you know what else changed when we went to high school? Remember how the classes used to be half half, so you would be in the same classes as the guys, but they'd just be on one side and the girls would be on the other. When we got to grade eleven, they made the classes completely gender separate. So in each grade there would be two classes a girls class and a boys class but wait how did that work because they didn't have like the number of students like for certain classes how did that work you know the area that was near the secretary's office they made they moved classes there so like all the of old downstairs was elementary and they made all of upstairs high school but your schools were like mixed right like in the hallways and stuff like that they tried to stop it as much as they could how are they gonna stop it in the hallways when salat ended they would say the girls, girls first. go first and go upstairs and then the girls, and then afterwards the boys would go upstairs. But like, how do they, how do they control that? Cause if everyone's, cause in my school, it was completely segregated. Like, it was almost Different like buildings. they had their own school. Yeah. Cause our, it was one building, but the building was so big that they had like one side of the building was girls and one side of the building was boys. And the middle was kind of like the registration area. So like, how do they, control it if like you guys are all all in the same building they probably had like volunteers patrolling the hallways you know that's actually looking out looking out for free mixing so you're not allowed to talk to them even if you're in the same class even before even before things were separated like if you're in the same class talking and the teacher saw you talking to a boy they'd be like what are you guys talking about like what's going on huh what is this da, 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 da. like it, it didn't even forget about separate classes it was so severe that like i my first cousin went to the same school but he was a year above me and my brother was in the same class and the administration like it was pretty common knowledge like they knew we were first cousins but they'd be like yeah you can't talk to them you can marry them his dad was at the school one day and that's my mom's brother like that's my maternal uncle and i gave him a hug and they said don't give him a hug you don't want to give people the wrong idea <laughs> what? 
Oh. oh my god, I'm laughing, but it's like it's like sad laughing. Oh my god. But just because they gender separate you, people will always people will always find a way to communicate with each other. That's facts. They always like our school was completely separated. I don't know how people talked, but they did. I feel like when they kind of tried to force separation, it made people want to talk more. Whereas if they made it normal, no one would care. But that's the thing. It's not just it's not just Islam schools that have that problem. Like even like um in regular in the UAE, even non-Islamic schools like regular schools, they also keep classes separate unless they're like one of those you know international type schools, whatever. But most schools were separate regardless. And the problem is when you make things separate, like you sen- you kind of sensationalize it, right? So you make it in something that it isn't. It's kind of like how things are in Saudi. No offense to Saudi, but because of how crazy strict they are, they make something that's completely normal that isn't that deep into something that's like, wow, how did you do that? Oh my God, you talked to a girl, jeez. What happened? Tell me more, you know? And I feel like one of the biggest problem, one of my biggest problems with Islamic schools specifically is that how crazy, like, I think me and Akhan were talking about this the other day, how crazy strict they are um, in terms of boy-girl interactions. And then you go into university and it's like, or even like, forget university. Socially awkward. Exactly. (laughs) Like, you cannot interact with the opposite gender. Like, how do you even get past that from a time? Because all your life you're being told, you know, don't talk to each other, sit separate from each other, who's who, you don't do projects with each other, you don't do presentations with each other. It's just somebody that happens to be in your class that you've never spoken to, other than the occasional MSN uh, chat or a Facebook poke or like or whatever. How are you gonna deal how are you gonna deal We're with real BBM life? BBM, don't kill me. We hung out with the guys in our class outside of school. I think that what was funny was um they made it so bad that they acted like you weren't gonna have a job when you grew up, you weren't gonna be in university where you had to work with them, that like your doctor or a dentist wasn't gonna be a guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're gonna be out here stuttering to your dentist, you know? <laughs> so with that, it was like if you just if you just don't explain to them that it's a normalized thing, that talking to a guy isn't the scariest thing in the world, that you guys can have a normal, regular conversation without it leading to, like, zina, as they clearly thought, it, you can have a normal conversation. Yeah. You, you, they're a human being. You can talk to each other. As long as you respect the boundaries within Islam, it's fine. But that's the problem. If you normalize the experience, then it's nothing scary. Then nothing's going to happen. But when you make it so scary, that's when something happens. Yeah. And on the flip side, it doesn't teach guys to see women as people. They see women as like objects, like sexual objects, right? Don't talk to her because if you're going to talk to her, you're only going to talk to her because you want one thing, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, no, like you're going to have to interact with women in your real life that you work with, that you go to school with, rather than like just keeping them separate from girls all throughout high school that when they go to university or if they even like just leave high school... They don't know how to inter- interact with women and people, that's when like issues like, like Me Too and things rise up, honestly. But don't you think it's interesting because back in Islam school, don't you remember how if you were wearing a sweater where the arms were too tight or the sweater <laughs> itself was too tight, one of the teachers, a lot of the time a male teacher would come up to you and be like, take that sweater off or he'd confiscate it. That's another way that they were sexualizing they were sexualizing kids and at this as well, girls who were curvier or plus size it was harder for them because that's something that they can't control. Yeah. And like um, Farah was saying earlier, at the end of the day, after school, you were chatting. After school, you were hanging out. So it wasn't... But the thing is, you made something that should have been normal, kind of forbidden-ish. It's just kind of sad and 
it's not I wouldn't say it's depressing, but I mean like it's adding to a it's adding to a bigger issue in terms of male female relationships, guy girl relationships. I mean, at the end of the day we're supposed to have each other's backs, but if I can talk to and have, you know, better conversations with somebody who isn't even Muslim, somebody who isn't even Somali, because I was told my whole life I can't have that. Like in terms of like you you'd feel so much more comfortable talking to a non Muslim, non Somali. That's yeah. Because exactly, because your whole life you were told, Hey, you can't you can't talk to them. It's kinda sad, honestly. Like you can't see them as like your brother in Islam. You just see them as marriage potential and yeah. so don't talk to them. That's mm-hmm. literally what it is. And none yeah. of the guys in our high school were marriage potential. <laughs> 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 Sis, no, don't say that. That's so mean. I stand by my facts. I got my receipts. <laughs> well, me personally, the last time I went to Islamic school was eighth grade. And then after that, I was kind of, I went to, my high school was a mess because I went every year to a different school. And then I went to university. So I kind of was all over the place. So I was exposed to kind of a bit of everything. So university wasn't too much of a shock for me when I went to uni. Um, I didn't really, in terms of uh, transitioning and, you know, from an Islamic school to public school. But then again, at the same time, I did go to, I did finish up high school in the UAE. So it was kind of like the same people that I was going to high school with, I went to university, kind of people that I went to high school with, I went to university with. So it wasn't too shocking for me. So my experience was fine. Ikan, what about you? Because you went to Islamic school and then you went to a regular university, right? Yeah, our university was pretty mixed, but there weren't that many guys in our class in general, so we had like maybe in a class of thirty, um, there were like maybe three guys. So but there were a lot of guys in our university in general, they just didn't take my program. So it was kind of going from a segregated environment to like no one really cares. And it was funny because like in my university everyone can talk, no one really cared, but like it was still the same. Like the guys would like no one would really interact with each other. Like no one cared enough to do it, even though like we were in a space where no one really cares if you do. So for me, it was fine. Like most of the guys that are in our university were like older local guys who were taking business. But I mean, it was absolutely, it was fine because like when you're outside, I mean, it is kind of weird, but like when you're outside, um, you, you see people, you see guys. It's not like you're sheltered from it your whole life. And I just didn't have a reason to be talking to any of the guys in my class. So like I didn't. But yeah, that was like, it was really nothing. It's more when I, even when I came here, it was, it kind of became normal when I came here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's really nothing. Do you know, do you know what's really interesting? Actually, my university was considered to be more of a conservative, uh, religious university. So they had, um, the university for the most part was like separated guys and girls, most of the programs, but my program wasn't. So my program was all mixed and my campus, like my part of the campus was mixed, but they had such weird rules in terms of guys and girls. Like for instance, we used to have a cultural day. And like for the cultural day, they'd have a part where they'd have a stage and then they do dances from like every country, but girls weren't allowed to dance. Only guys were allowed to dance on the stage and like uh, leaving campus even like, cause a lot of the girls were in the dorm. So they were very strict about who could leave. Even in most, most of the universities, they were kind of strict about girls leaving the dorm because at the end of the day, like, Oh, it's, it's an Amana, you know, um, we're entrusted with these girls and blah, 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 blah. So they're very, very strict about girls leaving the dorm. And I didn't live in the dorm. So they'd still give me a hard time when I was trying to leave campus or walk off of campus. Cause they'd be like, who are you? Where are you going? Show us your ID, blah, 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 blah. I mean, there was like a whole little kind of small, um, mall-ish kind of thing behind our university where people would go to eat. And they would be, they, I remember they put out, um, an email saying like, girls can't go there walking where guys could, you know? Dad. It, was, it was just so close to your building. Yeah. It was literally right behind, like 
to like cross the street behind our camp or behind our campus right and they were still they were still really strict about that and they were also like strict about um guys and girls interacting you know because most of the campus was mixed most of the university was mixed and our campus wasn't so sometimes <laughs> guys and girls from other campuses like would come to our campus because um they could meet up on our campus because ours is mixed it was just such a it was so and they, a lot of them would meet up at the metajid right like there would be a lot of girls and guys there but that was after like when i first started that wasn't the metajid the thingy behind our the food place behind our university wasn't open it opened like halfway through my well half halfway through my university experience right but your university in general was on something else because i feel like the parents wanted their kids to be micromanaged and so the university did all of this because like these kids it's not like you're not in high school anymore why does a whole university care if you walk out why do they care who picks like it's almost like when they signed them up for the dorms it was like yeah you're being babies like they're being babysat you know like they sign them up don't let them out unless i come pick them up right how did you guys find that like muslims or somalis assimilated to like associations on campus or even like faculty events and stuff like that because a lot of it not just the uae but like in general because like how many campus like uh faculty or program events that would you go to and like it's like a wine and cheese or it's like um pub night or stuff like that do you know what i mean well i didn't have that problem yeah now that you're in like the uk or like toronto or things along those lines i just avoid all of that i just don't go and i mean we me and my friend actually tried talking to one of the organizers we were like every time you guys do something it's always a pub night like they'll have like oh we're gonna watch our afters game or watch this oh it'll be at a pub so we've talked to them about it we're like listen we're not coming to any of your stuff but like wine and cheese like why i, I just i guess i just pick and choose what i'm gonna go to depending on whether I c- it's something I can do. So, like, wine and cheese, I wouldn't go to that. Pub night, I wouldn't go to that. And then, like, they went to... What is it called? Jump zone? What is, what is it called when they, like... Oh, the, the sky zone. sky zone. Or, like, the ping pong night thing. In my faculty, like, at U of T, like, we had that issue, too, where, like, literally every time the student council made, like, events, it was always a pub night. And it was always, like, like friggin' in Toronto, the same pub beside friggin' campus all the time. Yes, like they always go to O'Grady's or whatever or France. Yeah, you know why? (laughs) The only reason I mention this is because, like, last time I was in Toronto, I was with Omal and Ikran, and I remember that this came up. But we we ended up um we made a like a pharmacy MSA in U of T, and we had like events. Oh, that's so cute. But the problem is like what's really annoying about that is okay if you decide not to partake in any of these events. A lot of these events aren't just about chilling; they're about networking and all of that. And you kind of lose out on everything. Exactly. You meet profs, you get to find out who do you, like, you get to know them on a personal level. Oh, okay, I want him to be my supervisor next year for my research project, blah, blah, blah. So when you're not taking part of it, um, you kind of lose out. And I never, we never had that problem in the UAE because everything was basically head on, essentially. And like, I never had to concern myself with being left out or not going, like, and most Somalis that I knew back there, like, we never had that problem because at the end of the day, regardless of everything, we're all kind of in the same boat. Whereas here, like, constantly every time they're having an event or whatever like i'm personally me i'm i'm just working here i'm not going to school or anything so i don't like to hang out too much with people that i work with either way so i'm good but if you're in school and everything like school the whole purpose of school is not just education it's education networking getting opportunities for like taking advantage of any opportunity you have so that you can get into the workforce later on right and it just sucks that you guys can take a part of that i know you guys already tried this but the only thing that i could think of in those situations is to be as vocal as possible and like emphasize how 
listen, we, I want to come, let's do it here instead, or let's do it there instead. But you know, there are some people, like I was talking to a few friends of mine, they're telling me, like for instance, they, they would still go to these events, but they just not choose not to drink. It depends on where you're going. Like if you're going to a pub night, like you're in a pub, Yeah. you know, you just don't want to be in that kind of space. I think some people are okay with that. Yeah. There were some people, Muslim people in my program that were fine. They always went. Honestly, the way I'm just seeing it is like if you give up something for Allah's sake, it's Allah's going to replace it with something better. So like even though you think you're missing out on like good opportunities, it'll probably come to you in another way, you know? So it's like, it's okay. Sometimes we got bamboozled. How'd you like, get bamboozled? Like, How did you get bamboozled? Us. Like, so it was literally like, we, we had, we had that thing. We talked to Sioux Council. We're like, why are there so many pub nights or whatever? Like, can you do like more diverse events? So they're like, oh, we're going to do a trivia night. And then it was at a, like a, it was called the boathouse. I didn't Google what it was. I thought it was just like a restaurant. And you come, it was literally like a bar. Wow. That's so disrespectful. I remember I went to a conference and it was a lot of black Muslims. And after the event, they all went out for beers together. Black Muslims. Oh. And then they went, that's just, ugh. I heard about that too, actually. Yeah. That's just Messy flawed. Life. That's just flawed. And like, you know, I'm just imagining somebody who comes from a conservative background who never had to deal with any of this. And then they're just presented with this constantly. Like, it's not it's not easy having to go up to people and say, hey, listen, this is not OK. Can we do this instead? Da, 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 da. Like it, you, The fact that you have to be put in a situation where you have to be vocal about like defending yourself not everybody has the strength to do that right it's so exhausting exactly too. it is exhausting and we were talking about earlier how basically you know coming from a background where you don't have to like it's part of it's part of the problem of being sheltered all your life where you don't have to constantly fight for your rights and then all of a sudden you get you're in an environment where you have to basically say this is not okay i want this i want this i want that and a lot of people just don't know how to do that so I don't know. That's I think that's one of the biggest issues that's facing a lot of kids who leave like Islam, like are in Islam schools all their lives, and all of a sudden they're put thrown in this kind of environment. You know, so easily accessible. Like the spaces that I'm in, they have like free drinks. They'll have like wine. Come for a social. They're like it's so accessible too. So like you have to really have a lot of self control. Even when you finish school, like conferences and stuff, there's always like literally after the conference, it's the the gala night is all about drinking open bar the social is all about going to a pub it doesn't like and that's how people like find their next job and they find their next employer and it's like it sucks that i feel like sometimes we're we're shorthanded or shortchanged i guess if you had say you had kids and you could choose when they for them to go to some school or not would you choose for them to put your kids in a some school a and b would you be of the thinking that they should go from day one or they should, they should go in middle school or high school and what's your reasoning yeah i would put my kid in Islam school I will put my kid in Islam school, inshallah khair. I think that I might put them in, like, from, like, kindergarten to, like, grade, like, three or four. And then I'll probably put them at the end of high school. I like what my parents did. I like that I went to public school. And I like that I went to Islam school at the end of high school. Because I built amazing friendships that I'm still thankful for to this day. And they really ground me continuously. And I actually learned so much about the dean, like a lot. And it wasn't just that I learned about the dean in Islam school. It was like I started going to Syria class because I went to Islam school. I started going to Al-Mafra courses because I went to Islam school and I went to Syria class. It was just like a lot of good things stemmed and rooted from Islamic school. So yeah. Um, I feel like I don't really know what I would do, honestly. I'm a little more towards bringing them to Islam school because I really like my experiences there. Um, but you do have to be a strong person to go to some school because there are some people that are a little, you know, some bullies in there. 
And um, yeah, so I went to public school from kindergarten to grade six, right? So I really liked how I had my friends, I had my whole neighborhood and all the people that I grew up with and everything. And then when I went to Islamic school, grade seven, I think that like set it up for me for high school because I knew all the girls, right? And when I went to, when I was in high school, like I knew, I knew all my friends, I knew what I wanted to do. I put my hijab on, like I had my identity, right? So it was awesome for me. So I think I would do the same thing that my parents did. And plus I was the oldest. So my parents put me in some school to teach my younger sisters and brothers and be a, a great role model for them. And I didn't really know much about the dean until I went to his own school. So I think that was a really great thing that they did. So I think I would do the same thing. For me, I don't know. I still haven't like fully formed my idea whether or not I'd send my t- kids to Islam school. It really depends on whether or not certain things that I didn't like change. So like certain attitudes, like certain, like I feel like certain things I feel like kids need to learn and kind of grow through and get prepared for the real world if things like that change then i would put my kids in islamic school i feel like i'd probably put them in islamic school at the age when they're probably going to be introduced to i guess the worst things so like maybe grades a middle school like i don't think it's really i don't think there's really a problem with my kids going to to like public school like Mm -hmm. in elementary like grade kindergarten to grade six because you still have mostly like fully control over them, over their friends and where they go. You're the one dropping them off at school and stuff. But like middle school is when they're more independent. They're going through puberty. And like, I guess that's the age that I'd more likely want them to be in an Islamic environment and also around people that look like them and talk like them and have like the same family backgrounds and stuff like that. But I think certain things would need to change in Islamic school first before I send my kids there. So, like, sorry, just to branch off on that, um, how how would we bring about that change, A? And B, a lot of those things that we want to change or a lot of those things that we want introduced, how, like, we're not, none of us are parents here, but how do you think as parents, not just us personally, but, like, other people, how can they introduce, like, because a lot of the time it's the responsibility of parents as well to teach kids at home, right? So how much of that could be parents at home and how much of that could be the schools and how do we change that in schools? I think having parents involved in school boards because in Islam school, I know there's like a board of Mm -hmm. members and directors, but I don't think there's like a parent council. The board is the parents. Yeah. The board is the parents. Yeah. Yeah. The board is completely comprised of parents. But it's like a small group of parents. It's not like, and they're not, and they're not elected. And they're not elected. Exactly. It's like, you need parents from like every grade from different backgrounds and kind of like have an actual input on what their kids learn and how, what changes in the school. Because in a soft school, we do have, it's like the board is like, see, I don't know who is on the board. The principal and like strict dads, like that are very, yeah, they're all like, you want to laugh. Um, so like, because I work in like community development, I know that they have tried to bring things to not just Islamic school, but other Islamic schools in general, a lot of programs and Islamic schools have dead turned it down. And these are free resources. Yeah. What? And even having women on these boards, though, because aren't these boards all, like... They're all men. They're all men. Yeah. That's, like, just... There's no diversity. That's, that's not a board if they all think the same. Okay. So I think that's the main thing. Okay, cool. Ikan, what about you? Like, when Hafsa, when Hafsa asked, I was thinking probably send... Like, sending kids to middle school would probably be, like, 
not too bad. But I mean, as I was thinking about it and you guys were answering, I realized like my cousin, my aunt put him in Islamic school two years ago. So he was like in grade one. And so he always comes back with like new stuff. He'll be like, oh, Allah's like, who's Allah? And he'll answer questions and he'll be like the five pillars of Islam and all these things that he learns because he's in Islamic school that kids are probably miss out if they were in public school. I mean, unless you're planning on doing all of that at home yourself until they reach that point, I think sending them to Islamic school from kindergarten probably wouldn't be bad because they would be learning all the basic stuff. Like, because that's when they're studying Islam without restrictions you know like they're studying it for the sake of learning about it they're not they're not being taught to follow any rules it's just who's Allah who are the prophets what are the five pillars of Islam what are the six pillars of Iman that's the kind of things that they teach them when they're younger and I think those are it's pretty nice um I was actually of the same thinking of Ikran um only because I have like me personally I I I went to Islamic school all my life um some of my siblings did some of my siblings didn't and I think it's really important um because a lot of the things in terms of what Ikran said okay yes they're introduced at kindergarten but it's not just that it's also a lot of things uh sub that are subconsciously introduced to kids and I think it's really important for kids at that young age to be put in a bubble I don't want my kid um, worrying about their skin color or their religion or their hair texture or any of that while they're in public school because that happens a lot I mean unless you're even if you're in a school that's in a predominantly um, you know mixed cultural neighborhood or whatever and everybody goes there they still have to deal with these things right so I don't think at that young age I would be interested in my kid being exposed to any of that you know them being embarrassed of themselves or their culture of their heritage because a lot of these things are picked up subconsciously and you know kids talk about stupid things like I remember like um my little sister coming home one day and talking about like what's pretty and what's not pretty and all of that and I don't really want um, my kids to have to worry about that at such a young age right I'm more of the thinking of okay um either they go to an Islam school all their lives or you know they leave for a taster of the real world and come back like in middle school or something but personally I would prefer them to go from day one and and again Leila like what she said I completely agree with you there has to be some drastic change in terms of what goes on in a lot of Islamic schools and it's not just the specific one we've been talking about but a lot of schools have these problems and you know across Canada and across the world and these things like I feel like every day we're talking to, we talk and talk a lot about them and every day I feel like people are combating them and inshallah like i hope it all changes before our kids pop out and <laughs> we're we're worried about this as well you know alhamdulillah anyways it was i think we kind of covered everything we wanted to talk about today um i think we had a pretty thorough discussion alhamdulillah it was so much fun having you guys on our episode oh yeah this was our first time on Ebwan. so for everyone who hasn't heard of us because in case you're listening from ikea or beans and toast um, <laughs> So we are OT Podcast. That's O-T-E-A Podcast um, because we're from Ottawa, Canada. And as well, you know, Shah is very important in our culture. And we're here to talk about the tea. So we are for our girls. We are from Canada. We have a usual bi-weekly podcast. We are on a little bit of a hiatus, but inshallah khair, we will be back. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at OT Podcast. And we are on SoundCloud, Google Play, and Apple Podcast at OT Podcast. And if you want to talk to us, 
We are at otpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and we will be putting all that information in the description for this episode as well. Stay tuned for these girls. They already have a bunch of episodes out, so go ahead and listen to those. Those are super fun. And inshallah, you know, make da'a for that. They come back soon because we're all waiting on them to release another episode. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys do want to add your two cents about your experiences of going to an Islamic school or whether you think Islamic schools are the way to go or not, just, you know, DM us, message us, add us. You can add us and the OT girls as well. And let's continue the conversation that way. So thank you so much for listening to our episode and Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>